Welcome to episode 76 of Control the Controllables. Today we have Fabio Mollet from Functional Tennis. Another different lens that we can look at the tennis world from. Fabio played tennis as a junior in Ireland. Parents are from Italy. And then he's gone into the world of Christmas jumpers, fast food, before making his way back into tennis and setting up one of the biggest online social media platforms out there in functional tennis. We talk about how he did that, the journey that he went through, the possibilities now moving forward now that he has such a, such a following and obviously his insights into the tennis world, looking at it from a different angle. Uh, really pleased to bring you lots of different stories. You know, as I keep harping on about, tennis really is a vehicle that can take us through all walks of life, whether it's dealing with personal problems, whether it's giving us a living in in many, many different ways. And I'm sure Fabio didn't think that he'd be making a living from, from selling wooden spoons to hit a tennis ball with. But as you'll find out, that's one of his biggest one of his biggest products that's doing very well in the tennis as the tennis pointer that you would have seen on social media. Whilst I'm on that, I don't like to use this platform normally for advertising purposes, but I do want to point you in the direction of Soto Tennis online programs. I know some of you are back in lockdown where you are around the world and you know I'm fortunate to have a team behind me at the academy that's produced some amazing online content for this very purpose and reason to to allow for personal development uh, for coaches, personal development for players and parents and and also some opportunities for coaches to, to make some money during a difficult time. So please do reach out if you want more information on that and, and follow the link in the, in the, in the episode notes. Uh, you can sign up for free and you can have a little look around and see if there's something there uh, that, that, that tickles your fancy and something that you really feel can progress yourself and your players. Okay, but enough of that. I'm now gonna pass you over to Fabio Molly. So Fabio Mole, thank you very much for joining us on Control the Controllables. How are you doing? Dan, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, you're a machine with the podcast episodes. I know I think we're at about um, episode 71, but you're, I think you've surpassed us now. So you've just been pumping them out. There. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I don't know. You must let me in on your secret how you can it's... record them, <laughs> edit them, get them out there and get the artwork and everything. It's amazing. It's it's all ego driven, Fabio. I was I saw you guys about twenty ahead of me a couple of months ago, and I was like, I've got to get past Fabio. I've got. To, I'm going to slow once. I'm going to slow down now that I've I've reached my target. Well, we're, we're just ramping it up, so I'm <laughs> now we're just slow and steady, slow and steady. No, we're, you you're doing a doing a fant- fantastic job with yours, and and obviously. It was brilliant being on your show a couple of months ago. And as I said at the time, I would love to love to get you on. And, and I think, you know, with with our big thing being tennis is is a vehicle into so many other things. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear more about your story. And, and for those listening, Fabio is the, the mastermind behind functional tennis, which 
anybody that's been on Instagram and has a has a love of tennis, I'm sure would have cr- come across functional tennis. Two hundred ninety-two thousand followers now, Fabio. Um, you're going to have yes. to let us into some of your secrets. There's not there's not many secrets. Just consistent hard work. We've been going for just four years and I think four months. And honestly, apart from one week where we were shut down by Instagram, uh, we were we've posted every single day. Like, and it's been like multiple posts every day. I think we're over seven thousand posts. So it's just been that relentless consistency and building good relationships along the way have really helped us. And yeah, I've tried with other things. It doesn't work with other things. So not that sort of relentless consistency, yeah. but it's just worked really well for functional tennis. And I come from. My background's a bit all over the place. Uh, just family had a catering business, so I used to work with them. I w- went, did software engineering in DC, in, sorry, in university, did quite well there, but then decided to work in the family business after that. Then sort of started a Christmas jumper company, which is still going, so that was online only. And then when I started that in 2008, I actually had a tennis app called My Tennis Tracker, which was basically what our journals, what our match and practice journals do now, they did it in software, but I had problems with the developer. He lost the code. I had backup, so I decided to move on. But we're going to bring back that software very soon. Uh, so that's another project that's in the future. But so then the jumper business took over my life, and I was and I was still working in the family business, and then decided 2012 I'm going to do something else. So I started a few software projects, and nothing really kicked off. And between trying to use the jumpers to survive uh i got to 2016 with a few more projects along the way and then this kicked off and this was just functional tennis was just an account for you know i'm in my 30s i get injured and i could see some good videos on instagram it's like why is there nowhere that has all these together i find them really useful so i think other people find them useful and i start sharing videos and they sort of oh this is interesting this is okay now i did have social media with our jumper business we did quite well in social media like we never had any much paid advertisements all organic was facebook back then and we sort of killed it on facebook within ireland and the uk so i took that experience my experience in the family business where you deal a lot with customers day to day and i just applied that to functional tennis and and consistency and it's sort of it's grown organically and yeah it's been a lot of fun i never thought it was i didn't know where it was going even a year in, I was like, I don't know where this is going. And then I said, okay, about a year and a half in, I have e-commerce experience. How can I marry the two? And I thought, why don't I rebuild the software? And I was like, oh, it's a bit expensive to do that at the moment. Let's bring out a paper-based version. So I launched the match journal. Then last year, the practice journal. Then obviously with the pointer, that's been extremely successful and a few other things. So you know, some things work, some things don't, but it's been a fun journey and it's great to combine uh, my love of tennis and uh, and e-commerce. You know, I wasn't good enough to make it. I, you know, a lot of the Irish guys, and I would have played with them, and I would have got my ass kicked by them a lot of times. And I was never going to make it as a tennis player. But it's good to be able to make some money in the tennis world. So it's you know, so that's what excites me. Absolutely. What a what a what a great example of, of of our amazing sport as well, of how it opens so many other doors. And there's so many things, Fabio, I want to get into on that. And thank you for for the for the overview into into what you've been doing. But for the last two minutes when you've been speaking, I've just been thinking, come on, Fabio, finish, finish, because I want to ask you 
why were you shut down for a week? <laughs> that was just in my head. You said it earlier. Uh, it's 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 something that it's a it's an issue within Instagram, really, and on Twitter is really big as well. It's just it's called the ATP Tour and the Grand Slams. Uh, like on Facebook, it's really easy to reshare content and just tap share and that. But on Instagram, it's much harder to share it from your own account. So obviously, we used to take videos, some popular videos from the ATP Tour and from some of the Grand Slams. And if you repost them, you basically, they have a copyright team okay. that works in India. So there's a few different ones and they may work for this team or this company in India may work for a few different the slams, may work for TV companies, for music companies. And they get a list of videos that ATP, ATP Tour would send to them. Say, if you see anybody reposting these, you got to flag it to Instagram. And you get, look, I was, I was na- it was naive to me I got two or three of these flags. And it's like, oh, this is grand. And then you get to fort and your counts, you wake up and your count's gone. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? So basically spent a week contacting anybody I know. I made ads on Facebook to target people who worked on Facebook, uh, did everything, any contact I ever had from the jumpers. I had some contacts reaching out to them. And eventually I got on some automated system, I had to send the information. And one day I get a message to say, oh, you can access your account. And I think I was down for about 10 days. Okay. And my biggest, I've seen loads of other accounts come and go in the four, four years where I've walked people, I get messages for advice. What should we do to grow? And I said, one thing you do is do not overly post ATP tour videos. Now I do still post them from time to time, but I have a sort of a, an email agreement with them that I can post very few. So that's why I post very few. Okay. But it's like if you keep reposting ATP tour content, you will get shut down eventually. Yeah. And people have lost their accounts. And and I get the message saying, Oh, how did how did you how did you get yours back? Blah blah blah. And just annoying them. And sometimes it doesn't come back and sometimes right, okay. it does. So okay. I was lucky and yeah, it's just it's a crazy, it's crazy out there. And yeah. like some like US Open can be bad, Wimbledon can be bad, French Open can be bad. And any live stuff. So if you're at the tournament and you're doing live videos, that could be a, a bad. But then it depends on the size of the account. Obviously, because we are big, it's going to be spread out more. So they'd see it before. And yeah, people take chances. Some get away with it, some don't. But it's a, it's big on Twitter as well, where they have a lot of people doing a lot of great work on Twitter, Twitter accounts, and they've got shut down. And it's crazy. So it's tell me, of- where do you stand, Fabio? So I, I had this last night. I did a the podcast with Katie Swan last mm. week, which was which was brilliant. And Katie doesn't talk much in the public. It's a first podcast. And I think certainly in the tennis world, the British tennis world, people have been really keen to hear it. It's really kind of taken off already in a few days. And the LTA have posted that podcast. And they've also posted quotes from that podcast, but they haven't mm. given credit to myself or, or, or the podcast. I, I think that's bad, first of all, because I've seen I've seen blog posts on our own episodes where you know people take bits out of it, like you're saying, but they always they always uh, reference where it came from. And I think that's really bad. And it's gonna cut back to functional tennis here. What's been really big for me is since day one, we have always, unless we really can't find a source, always, always, always credit the source. I think it's been the number one thing. 
And yeah. sometimes three or four people may repost a video, but I'll do my best to find the actual source. So the parent or the kid or the player, and that's what stood to us in the four years. And I think somebody like the LTA, you should get onto them, say, look, what's going on here? Can we get yeah. a credit back to our podcast or website? It's just really bad business that yeah. they do that. And they should know better from such a big organization, a federation. Yeah. They should know better. Like papers will reference you. They may not give you a hyperlink back to your website like they yeah. used to do. They've stopped doing that. But I think that's bad on them. And you should send them an email to say, what's going on here, guys? Yeah, the email's been sent. So maybe already. So maybe maybe on the next podcast, I'll I'll, I'll update the listeners on how, how that one's gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was the one, I don't know if you saw it through there, and I want to get to the pandemic in a minute, but... There was Oscar Hoisen, who obviously you know you know very well, I'm sure, from Ireland, and I I know very well, and I now coach him. Uh, he had the video where he hit a ball and knocked the apple off the off the yeah. head of his girlfriend, and he'd put that up there, and I and I posted it, and I, I we definitely put at Oscar Hoisen in there, but then the ATP tour reposted it but gave Soto tennis credit and not Oscar. Mm. And I was getting hate mail, you know, there was hate mail coming through that, you know, and then I was, and then I actually contacted the ATP and said, look, this is, this is Oscar O'Hoisen's video. But I guess to those listening, it's, it's, they're probably sitting there thinking, guys, calm down. It's only a couple of videos, but it's a pretty big business out there. It means a lot to the players, like, and the coaches and whoever else. And I think, like in that case, the ATP Tour should do their homework there. It's not It's not that hard to find out. I actually remember seeing that video and I was like, I'm going to post it. It's like, ah, I'll wait a while. And then somebody else had got onto it straight away. It could have been you, tennis legend, I'm not sure. And it just kicked off. And I was like, oh, so many times, you know, you may have posted something already and say, I'll wait. Or, so you have to be a bit reactive on, on the gram, as they say. But uh, no, look, it means so much to these. You may say, why does it mean that much to them? But obviously, I think a bit of it's a bit of a vanity thing as well. It's like, you know, my video got X amount of shares or I'm on there. And like we we get messages from people and it's like, oh, please, what can I do to be on your account? And you're like, if the video is good, we'll put it up. But people are just desperate to be out there. And we're not about we're about good content, really. And but it's it's crazy. You can get yeah. It, do your best. Bus- people should do their best. That's my bit of advice to credit the source. Yeah. And absolutely. it takes a minute extra work. That's not even thirty seconds extra work. Yeah. And you know you build a fan out of that. You build somebody else who send you more content. Yeah. And you're winning then. Yeah. No. It's it's good advice. So with the so with the pandemic, obviously it's. And as we as we speak, we're kind of hot off the press. I know Ireland have been in lockdown for a few days. The UK is now off the tennis court completely indoors and outdoors. It, it's been a crazy 2020 for most tennis businesses. Um, for functional tennis being an online platform, being something that can be used whether whether you're on the court or not on the court, have, has it been a good 2020 for your business in, in that regard? Uh, the overall picture has been good. Like we've grown from, obviously there's two things, whether we grow our fan base, our brand, like our business, our business has grown. But initially from uh, when the start of lockdown hit, we saw, we took a bit hit, big hit. We went about two weeks without any sales at all. And we're like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. I'm in big trouble here. 
And so, but, and what gave a bit of issue after was shipping. We could only ship to so many countries. We couldn't ship to the States. We could only recently, we can ship back to Australia. We had to, and we didn't have a UPS service. So a few weeks later, we got a UPS service and customers start coming in. We had to sort of say, look, can you upgrade to UPS? It's an extra 20, $25. Most of them are great. Some said we'll hold off, which was great. Then there was delays on the standard post and that got going. So that was a challenge. From a content point of view, there was challenges as well because all of a sudden nobody in the world is practicing. Nobody's playing tennis. So there was no fresh content for a while. So we had to change our strategy a little bit there. A lot of the home stuff came, people hitting balls off mattresses, which was great. Yeah. It was good content, but there's only so much of that you can post. Yeah. So uh, so that was gone. So yeah, we started having quizzes and obviously we did a few more podcasts and then business started going business we, look, we worked hard and business started coming in and sort of it's it's been good since then we still have shipping challenges around the world some countries we still can't ship to somewhere only ups only but it's yeah it, it's been good overall but it was definitely scary at a while yeah, yeah. but now we've we've webinars now which have started which have done which have, i think they're going to do well we've done three three of them and yeah so i think it's been a challenging yeah. but tough year yeah so it almost so it almost sounds fabio like the business is actually almost like an online store in some ways that you've built up you've built up customers that are obviously interested and i guess loyal towards functional tennis and then you've got things that ultimately you're selling to them is that is that the business model yeah the bit of the ultimate business model is uh it's an e-commerce business where we sell products. We don't, we don't have a lot of products at the minute. And it's, you know, we're trying to get, let's say we launched Turner Grips a couple of weeks ago. They flopped. I love yeah. it. So we're not that sore that sells Turner Grips, strings, yeah. runners. We sell a bit more unique products like the journals, the pointers. So I think that's, that is our main revenue stream. We do get yeah. some sponsors. We work with some brands, ASICs who are great, Head who are great, and Slinger Bag who are great. So we work with them from a, advertising point of view which is great so that brings in a little bit of income then we've our store bringing in the majority of the income and we're looking at ways to add in it we're not you know we're not sure exactly as i said software we're working on trying to get the journal back in software which is going to be great hopefully we can have a trial out in the soto tennis academy absolutely yeah so we need a few there's not enough well, maybe my skill set could be lacking in how to ultimately make just the store the main revenue of functional tennis. So, you know, we're trying to have a few different avenues and software could be one and e-commerce could yeah. be the other one. What about affiliate links or or advertising space or now that you've got such a, I guess, such a, well, a, a big business, a big, big audience? From like we do have a few, as I said, a few partners we work with from a, a branded advertising role with with Asics, Head, Slinger, uh, but we don't try and overdo it. So yeah. we do a bit of advertising. So there's a certain room for that, and I think great yeah. that's been hit. But from uh, yeah, there's the affiliate links. I'm just not into them. Yeah, like we yeah. do have a course on our website. I just not really into it. We get a lot like top court is it top level tennis. Uh, those top guys toy. who've done uh, top quarters, top yeah. level. We actually do a bit of work with top level, but okay. top court tennis have great videos, but they only want to work through an affiliate scheme, and I'm yeah. not interested in that. Yeah. And it's just just saying no. And also, then we 
possibly at one stage we had our own course fitness course which did quite well but there's three of us involved in it, it got a bit messy and i just pulled the plug on it but okay. it's something i i'm not a, i'm not like you dan i'm not a coach yeah obviously i've been around tennis a long time some of my friends are coaches players but i'm not a qualified coach so i'm a bit re, i'm a bit reluctant to go down that route but i think if i could team up with coaches and offer court coaches on functional tennis i think would could possibly work for us yeah but i've decided to hold off on that for now so okay. that's an angle i'm missing out on i think from a, yeah. a lot of people think we actually have an academy right okay but hey, no there's academy. a partnership like, here somewhere fabio there's yeah. a there's a well, partnership here somewhere i if things did really kick off for us from like a sales point of view i don't mean like to build a court or two in dublin yeah some sort of an indoor court where i could use for videos for reviews i could get players over you know i could do really fun stuff with yeah absolutely but we're not we're, we're not there yet unfortunately i need some big investor coming in and taking control of my company before i could do that i'm not ready to do that yeah so we we've jumped into a few different topics but for me what i'm fascinated about is again going back to this thing the tennis is the vehicle so it's brought you to this place where you've got an e-commerce business you've got an online platform where did tennis start for you? How 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 defining was tennis in your life growing up? Uh, started probably when I was about nine, I think. Uh, we just moved to a new location, and beside us uh, was a tennis court. And I sort of I just pestered my mom for a year. Can we join? Can we join? Now she'll say she pestered me to join, but I remember pestering her to join. Yeah. And I ju just started playing at the time. I. You know, I, took, I was still playing soccer at the time, and I think I was 12, and I broke a leg playing football. So my football career sort of ended then. I got more into tennis, and the guys I was playing with were like two and three years older than me. So I think my level raised, even though I started really late, my level raised really quickly. Then I started, uh, I was in academy with uh, your Paul, Paul Casey, the Casey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was with them, had great players, great players with us there and that helped my level grow again and then openly got to 17 i was never you know i would have been i wasn't one of the best i wasn't top five out the outside of top 10 i would have been realistically and uh, i decided i wasn't going to get a good enough college in the u.s so i'd stay here and i sort of stopped playing then and uh, at college and i started playing a bit more through last years in college did okay and then got back into it probably 23 you know, I used to play a bit, go a bit, again, playing with people better than me. And I think I got to, I think I got to about 30. So, you know, I got okay. I decided to play a few futures. Yeah. So I used to go into Tennis Ireland and sort of be hitting partners with some of the guys and used to really enjoy it. And it helped yeah. me again. I'm raising my level here. I was never as good as these guys, but I go in and sort of spa with them. And yeah, it was a bit of fun. I said, okay, I'm going to go to Greece. And at the time, I was working in the family business as well as so the jumpers. And I had a, I got injured, had osteopubitis, I think it's called. It's just an inflammation of pubic bone. So that was on and off. And I'd committed to go to Greece. So I went to Greece injured, but spent three weeks there and got my ass kicked. But it was great experience. I'd played yeah. Futures in Dublin before. And just the energy, you know, the is so much higher. Like, you, just, yeah. you, can, you can step up your game even more. And I really enjoyed it. It was Greece was probably a bit too windy for my game at the, the weeks I went over, but I got my ass kicked and 
was great being with like I think there were seven of the Irish guys traveling at that time it was a really good crew and for me that was an experience and the goal was with my I think my app was sort of was gone then it was early iPhone days and I said well my goal is to if I could get income from the app I could travel playing tennis tournaments and advertise market every week yeah, yeah. but that, that didn't work out so here we are about 12 years later, I'm going to try it again. Right, great. And, and you were, so you were born in Ireland, because you've got Italian roots? Uh, I've Italian roots, yeah. My parents are, my dad was born in Italy. My mom was actually born in Paris, but she's Italian. And they would have moved to, Italy, to Ireland when they were young. My dad probably right, 15, okay. 16. My mom was younger than that. And yeah, that was it. They didn't have much of a sports background at all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they encouraged me to play, which was great. So Irish tennis, a big, a big topic of conversation on on this podcast. What's your what's your take on Irish tennis? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that. No, it's tough. It, Irish tennis is really tough. I don't know. Like we tend to, we some great players, but we tend to get stuck at certain paths for different. Like I think the young players are great, and then there's challenges when they're thirteen or fourteen. As I was saying to you before we started here. I don't know why. Obviously, a lot of people say it's tennis court related, you know, too many Savannah courts, which I agree. You hear, I've had enough people on our podcast, and I always bring up this topic with these yeah. great guests that we have. It's like, what do you think's wrong? And a lot of it comes down to look, clay courts, you do develop a better game, more indoor centers, maybe it needs more competitions. So they're not competing enough. Yeah. I know you're trying to say you're getting people competing. To compete a lot more Irish kids aren't competing enough yeah. need to like Europe is not that far away so there should be more terms in Ireland but you should be able to travel around Europe and the UK there's tournaments there on all the time so I'm not sure what happened it's a mixture of things that happened the attitude could be wrong because we do have great coaches yeah absolutely and then the ones that do I don't know some come to you some go to the academies like there has been like Connor Nyland was great. Like he kicked ass and he went to the States and kicked ass over there. Like McGee was unlucky. You know, he, he what was he about 140? He could have went up a bit more. Sam Barry got injured at the wrong time. Dave O'Hare playing doubles. You know, he's he was Joe Salisbury's doubles partner in college. Yeah, yeah. He kicked ass. Dave was doing good and he just got injured at the wrong time. Maybe quit a bit too early, I thought. But uh, there's been look. Kluski, he maxed out about 140, probably a bit more. Was he higher? So they're not far off breaking Absolutely. The, the leap. But I think before, going back to when I said I did my little tour, where there was a group of six or seven Irish players, and they were all really good. Now they just don't have that. Simon Carr, you know, he's he needs to, he's based here. He should not be based here. I don't think, I think he should be an academy in Europe where, be it in the top in, in Italy somewhere or Germany or Spain, where he's just hitting with, top 150 200 guys week in week out and you know using them to raise his level and yeah i think there's a lot of different issues going on maybe you're more qualified to answer that than me by the way i don't you be throwing this back to me fabio this is say uh, but yeah no i mean I, it is a two-way conversation and, and i think my my collective thoughts, having spoken to probably you're probably the tenth or eleventh, you know, well um, informed person that we've spoken to from Ireland, and the big thing that comes across to me is there's almost an acceptance 
that well, that's just how it is. That's what Ireland is. And 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 if I'm if I'm I think there's lots of micro details about the court, about the competition, but for me, it's crying out for someone to say bollocks to this. This is not how it is, and this is not how it's going to be because. Ireland is very well situated. It's well located. It does have fantastic people. Financially, it's not as it's not a country that is in masses of difficulty. The economy's good, um, so why not? And 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 that that would be that would be my take on it. You know, why the hell not? You know, if you've got you've got a country like Scotland who who has, has got the Murrays and has had, you know, so, so many people that have come through over the last few years. You've got plenty mm-hmm. of countries that are able to do it. And, and I just think there's overall a little bit too much acceptance that just this is how it is in Ireland. Um, and I think it's crying out for someone to come and grab it by the scruff of the neck, you know, bring these brilliant people together. And I see no reason why some of those mentality changes can't can't happen because, and I said it off air to you, and I certainly won't go into names, but I do see it. I do see it with the mentality of people that come over to the academy. There's there's a bit of a narrow-minded mentality with with a lot of the the parents, the players, through no fault of their own, you know that that's just the way that Irish tennis is, and it and it's not quite the same mentality that I would see from. Spanish coaches, parents, players, and and I'm sure it's the same in France. I'm sure it's the same in Italy. I'm sure it's the same in many of these countries. Um, so yeah, I, that would be my that would be my kind of overarching take on it, really. Yeah, no, I, it does come down to an attitude uh, point, an attitude issue. Like, our, it's just so funny with tennis. Like, we so many successful other athletes in other sports. Like most other sports. Ireland can compete at the top like they're really good and like I know take golf for example like they're the best in the, there's some yeah. Rory McIlroy I know you could say where's Rory from but uh, yeah, he's yeah. born on the Ireland of Ireland and but there's other other sports there's some great athletes be it running uh, rugby soccer they're great and I just don't know why like there is one Irish kid called Peter Bulderini I think his name is he's actually his Irish mother, she married an Italian guy and they moved to Italy. And I think he was number one under 14 a couple of years ago. So, look, they can compete at the top level. Like, if you're anyway top two or three in Italy at that age group, you know, they're do- the Italians are doing quite well now. You must Absolutely. be good. So, they do have the genes to compete. It's just, as you said, there's something else going a lot. There's a bigger problem and attitude is deaf. The belief the commitment and yeah, just tennis. There's some sort of virus in there that's uh, killing the game. And obviously it's long-term as well. I think too many times they expect results straight away. There is, you do have to take that long-term view, which is quite hard to do. Maybe that's not set in early enough. Tennis is such a, you know, it's, it's such a, I often see where there's a match Federer or Djokovic and Nadal or Murray and, or whoever, be it any of the top hundred guys, these guys know each other 15 years. It might be the first time they've played a tour match, but they know each other since Absolutely. most of them, since they're kids. And yeah. it's how do you get into that environment? So that's why it's really important, I think, yeah. to be successful early on where you can start mixing with the best. 100%. But it also yeah, so. seems like it's, 
it, there's quite traditional educational roots in Ireland. It's like it's almost unheard of that you don't go and do your full education at school. You know, I know you've got your leavers year that you that's when sometimes we'll have they'll come over whatever year it is, year nine. Transition year, yeah. Yeah, where we'll sometimes yeah. have people coming to the academy. But it's almost not in the in the discussion to to leave school before the age of 18. And and I guess my by the way, and I'm not saying that people should, however, the rest of the world, the tennis world is looking at more flexible education options, probably from the age of 12, 13, 14, to, yeah. to, en to en enable them to get into the tennis world. And it almost feels like that's not even an option in Ireland. I think it's a big, it's a, obviously a big decision for the family, maybe. I know James McGee, he went down to, he got Sanchez Casal. He went uh, somewhere, yeah. And he said he said that he was the he was almost frowned upon doing that. Like uh Conan Ireland went to Millfield. Is that what it's called? Millfield, Millfield in the UK yes. back in the day. Yes. I'm I'm trying to I just had a thought there and I can't remember it now. But oh yeah, so you can still obviously study like uh we Iga Swintek, who just won Roland Garros, yeah. she spent uh her coach during lockdown was giving out to her, was having fights with her because she was studying so much. Yeah. She's studying 10 hours a day. It was like, when are we going to play tennis? So yeah, yeah. for weeks on weeks in lockdown, she only played three days because she knew studying was important. Yeah, yeah. And there's players like that. Uh, Zizi Bergs, he's studying now while on tour. So you can still do it. As you say, you just got to be more these newer solutions where you can still get things you can still study and complete yeah. and go to university. It still can be done. It just takes extra commitment. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and to be really clear to the listeners, I fully, fully, fully back people staying in education for a long time, you know, mm. and I and I believe that, you know, doing university degrees online, if you don't go the American university route, you should do, you know, learning a language, you know, keeping your mind busy, you know, there's, there's loads of time to do that. But I think my points more, it still feels at the Irish way you go to school, you, you work hard at school, you maybe play a bit of rugby or a bit of Gaelic football or a bit of tennis, then you go to university, then you go and work in the city as a lawyer or in, it's almost, it's quite a, it seems quite rigid in the, in the way, in the way of thinking, you know, and, and, and I guess if we take, again, I, I can use Spain as, Spain as the route, you have thousands of kids that are going right well we we'll do our education however we're also going to come out of, of school early or we're gonna we're going to do online courses or we're going to do this and do that so that we can absolutely get our hours up on the tennis court we can start traveling the world playing tennis because in reality that is our sport <laughs> It's it, it's difficult, and we had Dominic Kopfer on the other day who who went that traditional school route until the age of eighteen, yeah. played one to two hours of tennis a day. You know, didn't play a whole lot of tennis, and then obviously he's sixty in the world. But that is more of the outlier situation. Yeah, definitely. No, we I, we had him on also, and he, I got, I know the story, right. and yeah, yeah, he was definitely uh, an an outlier. Actually, one of my friends. Uh, now Fitzgerald had uh, scouted him. Yes. And he was like, this guy's a joke. Like, and he only, as he, as he told you, he only plays, he only played an hour or two. Like, 
the odd time. Like he's only playing a couple of times a week, wasn't it? Yeah. And he was unbelievable. And he kicked ass as soon as he arrived in the States. But that is the outlier. But I do think, obviously, unless you're extreme, unless you're like top 20 junior in the world, I think it's tough to to go pro. It's going to be really tough. Yes. It's financially expensive. But if you can reach a good ITF level, which will give you access to, I don't think ITF juniors is the be end and end all of your pro career, by the way. No. But if you want to go to US university, it can give you a great unit. Like imagine coming out with a, you know, an Ivy league or a Stanford degree or one of these uh, California Berkeley or coming out with a degree from there. You're, you've had four years of unbelievable tennis training, the best surroundings ever, playing with top level, load of matches, your confidence is high, and then you give the, the tour a go, I think is a good position. You have your degree, you can fall back on that, yeah. and which you may say you don't want to fall back. The, the bit for me, and I had this, and I'm sure Pete Bothwell's listening to this, so Pete, please take this in the right way. If I take Pete, Pete never... He never fully believed he belonged at the international level. And whereas if I'd taken Evan Hoyt, who I also coach, Evan had such exposure to the international level at an early age that when he when he's been playing on the Futures Tour at age 22, he knows everybody. And he there's a very different feeling knowing that you've shared the court or you've beaten a player and you don't have to build that reputation as much. And I always found with somebody like a Pete, and I think a lot of the Irish guys, because they're not as exposed to the international world early, they're almost fighting a bit of an uphill battle once you're on, once you're on the Pro Tour. Like I have it now with Oscar as well. You know, Oscar doesn't really have international exposure. Mm. You know, he went and... and you know, it's not the be all and end all. Absolutely not. However, in terms of that feeling of belonging on the tour, it's a massive, massive foot up into, into playing those events. Ultimately, a level has to be good enough. You know, but if I take Liam Brody, I mean, turning up to Wimbledon with Liam Brody, Nick Kyrgios has given him a high five. Dominic Team's given him a high five because, yeah. because he went through the juniors with them. Now that has to make you feel comp a, a, like a different player on the court than if you are experiencing that for the first time, age 19, 20, 21, 22, and having to almost forge your, your, your reputation at that age, which is why I believe in international exposure, but I also believe in making sure that you have strong education. <laughs> and, and I'm also a big believer in the U S college system as well, you know, but I think, it's it's trying to get a little bit more of that into into each player to give them those experiences which will stand them in good stead later on. And I completely agree with you with the whole if they can be surrounded in in that atmosphere early on makes a bit big difference. They feel comfortable, then they believe they can compete. I know Liam Brody was the outlier; he was one of the best juniors in the world, and uh, it's th that's actually another conversation that sometimes the best juniors in the world, people think, oh, he's going to be, you know, how hard it is to make that transition from uh, from junior to senior. It's so hard, more so in the men's game than the, in the women's. You can move, yeah. as Igus Wuntek proved, you can move straight away, even if you're exceptional. But yeah. you could be number one junior in the world. does not mean you're going to make it in the men's game. No. It's just, that's another, I think that's another conversation, all the challenges yeah. players yeah. have faced just making that transition. And the quicker they can get out of the Futures Tour, the yeah. better 
but getting back to your point i i think it's best if you can surround yourself with the world's best the sooner the yes. better and and get that belief whether you could get that belief just on the practice court mm-hmm. isn't who was it that said it was sorry it's in our podcast coming out next week with oh. zizu bergs we have on yes. and he says he was practicing for the first time with uh tfo and he's like i can compete with these guys mm-hmm. here you know, like I'm matching him from the back of the court. Why am I worried? And he said he took that confidence, a bit of the crowd into his first round against Ramo Vilnas and he beat him. And then yeah, he yeah. went. So, yeah, it's surround yourself with people way better than you no, no, er, as early as possible. So that's yeah. that's what I've learned from. Look, all this is I've learned all this not from my own experiences, more so listen to the 70 odd guests we've had yeah. in the podcast and conversations with. Like some players have been really generous with their time over the past four years, just chats on Instagram or whatever else. And how much, how much have you learned through doing your podcasts and through your platform? From, from what way, Dan? Just, in, I guess if I take my own personal thing, one thing that, and it was never my reason, but it's probably become one of my main drivers now of these podcasts is the personal learning that I get from them you know, to speak to all you amazing guests, to hear your stories, to then go back and then edit them and hear them again and, you know, put bring it together. I really feel that it's kind of enriching my philosophies, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's bringing together a lot of my thoughts and crystallizing certain thoughts and philosophies that I have, challenging certain areas um, of me. And, and yeah, and I guess, my own personal learning, I feel, has really has really shot up from doing that. So I'm just wondering how how you found that as well. Well, first of all, I love speaking to all the guests, be it player, coach like yourself, academy owner, whoever, anybody who works in tennis. It's just what I've learned is how much commitment these guys. Yeah. When I say guys, now I mean men and women. Yes. But how much commitment they have to, you know, to their goals. It's just incredible. And it's just like, I don't know how, you know, I wasn't that committed playing tennis. So I can look back and go, well, well, there you go. Like these guys have busted their ass off. They really want something. And the better ones just go after them. They let nothing get in their way. Like, and that's one of the things I've learned too, is they're just down to earth people. No matter who you interview from the the better guests, not sorry, from the more famous guests, I'm going to say, uh, to they're just everybody's down there no matter who and yeah so that's been really look breathtaking like nobody nobody sits on how they say it on i don't know how to say it actually maybe but yeah. uh yeah they've just been just been incredible people who are down there but just so committed and it's exciting it just it just it makes it i get excited when i speak to them yeah, yeah. i mean ner- like, every time i make a call it's like are they going to answer? You know, like he promised to be on. Like Dan promised he'd be on at ten o'clock. Is he going to show up? Like, yeah, yeah. and he does. Or am I going to get a message two minutes beforehand to say, "Oh, I can't make it today, buddy." Like, yeah, but yeah. that hasn't hasn't really happened. And just how nice they are, yeah. the commitment they have. And you know, I try. I'm trying to bring that to functional tennis more and more every day. My wife probably gives out. But I think in order for me to grow functional tennis, I have to take the attitude that these guys have and these guys bring that attitude to whatever they do in life yeah so be it if it's james klusky now starting a 
a business, a, a coaching business, like a business coach, and they bring that sort of commitment to Absolutely. that. So it's not only tennis. And it's just like, okay, well, how can I bring that commitment to functional tennis? So that's what I work on every day. Yeah. And to move you back to functional tennis, Fabio, you said it's been running about four and a half years now. When, at what point did it become your job? And I, and I don't know if it is fully your job, but I would imagine it is. At what point was, at what point was that? Well, first of all, people say, what, you work on that full time? Are you, how do you do that? Like, you know, yeah. so it is a full-time job. Yeah. Just the Instagram alone, getting content. It's a team of, it's really a team of one here. Okay. I have a, an apprentice called Keen who's been helping me out with the podcast the past few months. It's been amazing, really amazing and helps me. So take that bit away. I have a few freelancers help with some design work, and, yeah. but it's mainly me here. Okay. I currently at the minute doing the pick packing, social, uh, most, most email work, Keen does some of it, uh, messages whatever so i prefer to have somebody help me so i concentrate more on growing the business but right now you know staff are expensive as you know uh so i will get there but uh i think it's been full-time for a while i still we still sell christmas jumpers so right yeah. now uh, it's not what it used to be the business unfortunately but so i'm still working a bit on that from now on now till christmas but it's probably been full-time I'm trying to think now about a year, a year and a half. I okay. was on the accelerator program for a software project a year and a half ago. So we were doing a, with a friend of mine, we were doing a software project where we had some software and shopping centers, which the guards would use to monitor certain areas for uh, safety purposes, for insurance purposes, but that didn't work out. Another software project that didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. But once that ended, I went into this full time and yeah, just, your day just flies, but there's not enough hours in the day to do oh. what I want to do. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, and so, what does a normal day look like? Normal day, normally, let's take this, well, this morning, then we piece on what I did yesterday. Probably get up, try and go for a run straight away. Uh, so get a bit of exercise done. Now we are in lockdown now, so there's no tennis. So do a run, 30 minute run and do a bit of, I actually did some packing before I ran. It was too early this morning, up at 5 a.m., so did some packing, packed the day's orders, went for a run, breakfast with the family. Obviously, today is podcast morning with you. I may sometimes have a podcast in the afternoon, and they take a bit of work between yeah. between booking a guest in, researching a guest, uh, recording it. Now Keen does the listening, and we have a producer guy who does the who do, who makes it who makes me sound nice. Then so that's his job and yeah then you're just dealing with you know you're dealing with uh, instagram stuff some facebook stuff last week we did the the, the racket uh, of the year like that's that. a, you know these things take time between getting images from some influencers posting stuff and so that was every day then you're dealing with more emails then you're working on our next webinar graphics webinar booking in trying to get more webinar guests and then you're researching some new products and customer service yeah. and dealing with, you know, spent the weekend doing my accounts. Yeah. So there's, there's always, it's, it's yeah. a, there's a lot of little things going on and sometimes yeah. you're dragged everywhere and then you're trying to get onto the, obviously I can't get onto the tennis court now, but it's important for me to be playing tennis as well. It's good for obviously the headspace. Yeah. I think it's really good for, but so I'm missing that at the moment, but yeah, the day is just taken up with, nothing exciting 
boring, you know, boring business stuff. And yeah, yeah. obviously stuff like this is what I re I enjoy the, the chats here. This yeah. is really good. So it's exciting to, to do these things. And yeah, so that's, that's the day. Um, so the packing, so you're doing all of the packaging yeah. and posting yourself. Yeah. And I have, I've, I've sort of fine tuned it, but yeah, I do it all myself and all the ordering. So, you know, you're doing forecasts, how many points I'm going to sell, getting some journals. You're we're doing a small update to the journal now. So you send them to the designer, they're doing them proofs and then you send to manufacturer. And then, as I said, there's still jumper work coming in as well on top of that. But yeah, the packing is, I shouldn't be doing it to be, I, there should yeah. be some, I'm not there yet where I, I don't want to outsource it to a fulfillment company. I've been in that route before. I prefer to own that experience myself. Yeah. And I'm not there. I can't afford to hire somebody to do because there's not enough work in it really. Yeah. But I actually really enjoy doing that. We actually send all our customers. Well, I actually send all our customers a video message. So I've sent for the past year and a half, every customer we get gets a video from me. Awesome. So again, that that takes time. Yeah. And so yeah, this we're big, I'm big on one to one. Hopefully yeah. one day I won't be able to do that anymore because we'll be too busy. But until right. I can, I'll do my best to do the one-to-ones. And my wife says, stop, you can't be doing that. But I've built up some great relationships with people. And yeah, that's People, that's people, people. People, people, people. We had um, Steve Hewitt, who's the CEO of Gymshark. If you oh, haven't, nice. if you haven't listened to that podcast, Fabio, I would fully recommend you listening to, to Steve. Don't listen to me, listen to Steve. <laughs> and he's just awesome. I mean, Jim Shark, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Shark, but I do. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically fastest growing business pretty much in the whole of the UK and just his, this, his simplicity, his simplicity of, of getting good people in, in, in the right positions. And, and I guess, to be honest, quite similar. I mean, Gymshark started as some, some guy, Ben Francis working in his own, in his own house oh. packaging, you know, gym, gym kit up and, and selling it. And they've just done such a fantastic job that it's, it's now I think worth 1.5 billion as a, as a company. Oh, it's crazy. I've followed a bit of their journey and, at first, I thought, "Is this for like? Is this for real?" I've known about them a few good few years. Yeah. Like, is this for real? And uh, just lately, I just it's when the engine kicks off, like when it's it's when it just steamrolls, like it's like I don't know, like an avalanche. Yeah, and it's just a snowball builds, builds, yeah. builds, and it's just momentum. The flywheel, as Jeff Bezos likes to call it in Amazon, yeah. the flywheel effect. Yeah, it's just crazy i'm still waiting for that for functional tennis now we're <laughs> way like we're zero 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 point zero 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 percent of what Jim yeah. shark does but yeah I, I do think tennis is a tough industry i don't know yeah. if you may agree with me it's 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 a small industry really yeah, it it's not like yeah. it's not a lifestyle brand like it's not a, a female makeup brand or you know it's not a gym brand so it is a lot tougher yeah but it, it doesn't mean you can't if you'd crack it well, you can you could possibly still live a good life. No, no, absolutely. So what so what is next for functional tennis and yourself? Where does it go next? Functional tennis next uh, for me is about as I've mentioned the packing stuff and the day to day stuff. It's like how can I figure out a way to pull myself back from that stuff a little bit? So it's we need to increase sales for that to happen. So increase how do I increase sales? 
more products. So I need to spend more time finding products that could work for us. But also the webinars have been going great for us. So I really enjoyed, we've done three of them. We've won with uh, David Collins. Do you know David Collins? Don't know David. Dove's no. coach. Okay. Dove, Dove works with Michael Venus. He uh, okay. doesn't travel much with Michael Venus, but works with him. And, and so we've won with him th this week. And they've just the feedback from them has been really good. So yeah. I'm going to keep doing them, but I'm going to figure out a way to try and monetize them in some way. Now we've teamed up with the USPTA. They're going to offer uh, CPD points with them. So just I'm trying to figure that out. So I'm really excited yeah. by the webinars. Podcasts keep pumping out one a week, not as many as you. So we'll be falling way behind you, Dan. Uh, but and more products. And so, as I said, the software, if I can turn Functional Tennis Journal into a software, I think that could be key for yeah. us as well. So that's, that excites me. So it's just sitting down and getting away from the day to day. And as people yeah. like to say, successful people will say, look, you spend more time working on the business, not in the business. I know it's yeah. a cliche. It's been said hundreds of times, but yeah. And when you're in the middle, it's hard for me to pull out. Yes. But you've got to figure it's a daily yeah. challenge. And also saying no is, is tough. So just every day I work on trying to say no a bit more. Yeah. Well, my my big my big thing, and hey, Fabio, far far from should you be listening to me on on this stuff, but I'm going to give my two pennies worth, and and yes, maybe it might please. challenge something, and maybe you'll agree, disagree. If you've got three hundred thousand followers, which near enough you do, I believe that one percent of those followers, one to two percent of those followers, should be buying something from you, if if they are really true loyal followers of, of the platform. And, 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 and I guess from the very limited experience that, that we have had with our, we've had online programs that mm. we, we started through the, through the lockdown period, that would be my challenge to you as functional tennis. How, how can you get more and more unique content out there to get those followers to be really loyal to you? Because once they are really loyal to you, yeah. they're going to buy off you. And, and, and the numbers add up to, I mean, 1% of 300,000 is, is, is a high, 3, it's, it's a high amount of sales. Oh if, yeah. No, look, if we get 3000 sales a year, we'd be doing, I'd be, it'd be, really in the direction where we want to go yeah uh if a few things built like spent sort of the way you start an account is the way you sort of project up i've you know i come on for posts every now and again but i have not been actively the face of the account i am the face account but not every day you're seeing me yep. so content with me may not do the best that's what i figured out yeah. and lately i've gone back to my roots as I said, we started back in day one, as I mentioned earlier, doing like exercises for, you know, people in their 30s, tennis players who want to stay fit, get strong and not do injuries. Lately, I've worked with some fitness coaches and they sent me content of players we worked with. Yeah. And like we've seen like 5,000 bookmarks on some exercises. Yeah. Like, so yeah. we I've sort of gone back to my roots more recently yeah. and I've seen that content does really well for us. So yeah. Uh, that's important but the fans is interesting like last week we one of our biggest i think biggest following weeks with the introduction of reels on instagram it's helped yep. us like yeah. our followers we were growing every week but there was no real it was consistent growth and we like yeah. we should be growing a bit more every week 
But like last week, we had 3,000 new followers. Yeah. But the one thing people don't talk about is how many you lose every week. We yes. lost 12. So we had 4,500 new followers in total, but we lost 1,500. Yeah. So like people come and go, see a bit of content. They get fed up. I don't blame them. I don't follow yeah, yeah. people. Like, are more so brands and accounts, not so much people. And that may be touching on what functional tennis isn't a person. So we lose. So you're, it's a battle every week to try and get growth. You're going to lose some. So you want a surplus there. And like, we should be able to sell a t-shirt, a functional tennis t-shirt or a functional tennis hat. Like this hat is probably one of my famous or best products I've ever brought in from China. The quality yeah. is amazing, but it hasn't converted to the set to the percentages you're talking about. Like it's been, yeah we haven't sold nowhere near as many as I thought. And it's sort yeah. of, it hurts me a little bit because, you know, you think you're building up relationships with these fans, putting out thousands of videos and providing great content. And you think you have some sort of connection, they'll buy a t-shirt. But honestly, if I launch a t-shirt tomorrow, I don't think it'd sell as well as you think it'd sell, as well as other people. Other people think I must be killing it, but it doesn't convert. Yep. And from my experience, speaking to other influencers, like let's say a friend of mine, she's an Instagrammer has, I don't know, 50,000 like loyal followers. I mean, when she posts, she yeah. can't answer DMs, like hundreds and hundreds come in. Yeah. That's a proper army that yeah, you're yeah. building. And when they launch a product, things go crazy. And unfortunately I just don't have, well, tennis maybe it's we don't have you know enough female followers that's instagram is very much based on female demographic if you want sales from it ours are parents and kids and coaches yeah. who you know, they don't shop as much online as female so it lot depends on your audience yeah so why do people follow functional tennis because we've great content like feedback yeah. i get from people is like really love your content i use my content in coaching like they pick up something from it and it is a mix yeah. of coaching ideas off court on court some great points some fun stuff it's a mixture of everything so i see it as a bit of a home for tennis yeah uh, and it's just somewhere where people can go and check out some videos learn a little bit and yeah that's it's a mixture of everything a home of tennis is what i yeah. like to call it even yeah. before you cut me off there uh, our like our podcast post you think okay well this guy is three two hundred thousand followers he's going to put up his podcast and be absolutely killing it not true yeah. you know it's a different it's a it's a different not everybody's on instagram will listen to a podcast yeah. i know podcast numbers are a lot lower but it surprised me how much work we have to put into podcasts to mm -hmm. maintain and try and grow slowly yeah so like your podcast probably kicks my ass. So uh, it's tough out there. Just because you have a lot of followers on Instagram does not mean anything. And yeah, yeah it's not that like we, if you, if you run through, like you can do the stats on our account, like whatever we have 290, like a lot of them are inactive. Not a lot. Sorry. There's probably about, I don't know the figure, but I'd say once or twice there's 50,000 accounts that don't really yeah. do much like you know there's people who log in once every two months sort of thing so bit of useless followers but i've done my research in other accounts and everybody has them yeah so um, it doesn't shock me that much but yeah lately it's been good the interaction really yeah. good and but it's a it's a day-on-day -day challenge and 
the followers does not guarantee success. I think if I was a female with 292,000 followers, my sales would be in the millions. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know what it is, Dan. Maybe you can tell me what I'm missing. Well, I, 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 I mean, Soto Tenet, I mean, we're obviously pretty active on, on Instagram, but we have 5,800 followers. But I, I, I do, I mean, I, but I, what, I, what I realized is that a lot of them are very loyal to Soto Tennis. Mm. You know, so if, yeah. we, if we do put something out there, there is a lot of engagement and there's a lot of, you know, and, 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 and I mean, they're different businesses, of course. You know, yeah. our platform is a very different platform to, to, your, to your platform. But if you were, if you were to give success measures for you, what, what are your success measures of the platform? Well, just before I answer that, like our, our interaction is actually quite high for a brand of our size. So yeah. uh, I'm quite happy with what, not every post, we post yeah. so much, not every post can go crazy, yeah. but our interaction, our comments can be quite good. So we do have like uh, great brand ambassadors who, who love us which is great. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that, really. Obviously, you had more would be better, but they just don't buy enough, I'm going to say. I know it's not a great yeah. thing to say, but ultimately, yes. But two, I am looking at, like, to have more, make Functional Tennis website more of a club. Yeah. So when you purchase from, become part of a club, you get access to more information. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that's free now, you put that behind the club. And, you know, you try and, you do the webinars just for them yeah. or there could be a subscription service on the club. So that's something uh, that's something that I've been thinking of a lot, let's say a year, but I haven't made the commitment to do it. But getting on to your question about metrics, uh, obviously, like just consistent growth on Instagram is important for us. So yeah. just maintain that great videos that, you know, people are bookmarking and sharing. It's not all about likes or views. It's about, yeah. look, people actually shared that to a thousand people or they bookmarked that a few thousand times. There must be value in that for these guys. So that's really important. And obviously driving people to our website and getting sales, that's important as well, because that's what helps keep functional tennis going now, because, you know, let's be honest, mortgage, family, kids, another kid on the way. Like I'm, I'm not 25 now. So, I have to be working on a business that yeah. makes money and it's not, it's no longer just an Instagram account. So that's important yeah. for us. Is, and yeah, tracking, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff we're tracking here, Dan, but yeah. like podcasts, is that growing? Are more people interested in the webinar? So we're tracking stuff every week and making sure it's going the right direction and just trying to build a functional tennis eco world that, yeah. you know, we're sort of plugged in everywhere. Like son, I didn't actually talk about, I'm going to launch a, you, we have a YouTube channel. We don't really use it, but I'm going to launch a mini YouTube video uh, series with players really soon. I'm not going to yeah. say what it is exactly, but yeah. I'm hoping by the end of the year, that's out. just short videos with players, yeah. bit of fun, something that we don't cover at the minute. And all of a sudden I'm on YouTube as well. So we're just trying to build the whole functional tennis ecosystem and get people who aren't, not everybody's on Instagram. So yeah. it's important you're on these other platforms as well where people, you know, may not hang out on Instagram, but look, I'm on TikTok or I'm on YouTube or I listen to podcasts. So you sort of have a, 
you know, you're a bit of yeah. everywhere. Are you on TikTok? We are, but I haven't cracked it yet. I'm, you know, again, if you want to learn TikTok, you got to be on it every day, pounding, yeah. pounding, pounding. And I, it, it's an energy. It's a, as, as they like to say, it's a bandwidth issue yeah. where there's only so much like you can spend, yeah. even picking a song. La, yeah, last night I put a video of Gasquet and I was like, okay, if you're going to do Instagram Reels properly, you got to find a good song. You know, like it's, I find that Reels is great, but you backed up the good song can do better. So I'm, you find a good song, all these things take, everything takes time and yeah, you just yeah. got to be careful with where you spend your yeah. time. And I'd love to obviously, as again, I'm going to say hire somebody again to look after the Instagram, but I think I've built up a sort of, I've, I'm a curator. That's what you could say I am. Yeah. And over the past four years, I find out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So it, it's how can I teach that to somebody else? What yes. videos will work on our channel or not? And yeah. yeah, curator is probably my job title. My yeah. main, one of my job titles. Yeah, it's the scale of it's like any business, isn't it? It's the scalability. You know, it's very clear speaking to you, Fabio. You've done an incredible job. You've thrown your energy or passion at it. And I guess you've got your business to a point now where you need another you <laughs> in order, in order yeah. to in order to scale, scale up and take it in, in that direction. And it's certainly an issue that I've come across at Soto Tennis. You know, when whenever I speak to anybody that runs a business, I think it is when we're in a, a service-driven business. I think it it does become it does become difficult to to scale up. You know, and we, we, without getting without getting the right people in place. Yeah. So, if you were to if you were to give someone some advice who you know, I think it is the modern world now. I think we're the reality of the mm. not just because of the global pandemic, but I mean, we've got a we've got a family at the academy, and the little boy's eighteen months, two years old. You see him on the mobile phone. It's absolutely. I mean, he literally he can't speak, but he can he can close right. windows. He can he can get the correct yeah. Peppa Pig video. You know, he can pause play. You know, you can do the whole lot and it's like just watching like an adult an, an adult doing well, it. So what's yeah, what advice would you give to somebody trying to get into this type of business and um I guess building the, the, the business of building audience, I guess. Relentless day in, day out, which is gonna lead me to an issue I think I suffer with. Uh like there are, I'm not gonna. There are mental issues, my own mental issues of spending so much time yeah. on Instagram. Uh, as actually, I write like recently, especially during lockdown, where you know you're looking for videos. You're, and mentally, I was, I'm not suffering a little. I was like, Fab, just put the phone away, and I couldn't put it away. It's like yeah. little Max is there, and I'm like, Fab, just put the phone away, and it's like the phone has now become a part of me, and yeah. so my advice is run a business that's based on social is really tough long-term because unless you can pull yourself away from it, because you spend so much time. Like when I get my Monday morning reports from Apple, you spend 15 hours per day on your phone. Now I think they're over-exaggerated, but you use your phone for everything, but you go for a run, you have Strava on, you watch a YouTube video, it's on your phone. So I think, uh, you just have to be careful that you're not completely killing yourself. But I think yeah. it's, if you do want to grow an audience, it's about showing up every single day yeah. and refining your skill. Be it, be it, I see like, let's say Evan, you mentioned Evan Hot, like he's some great video skills. Some of his yeah, videos are amazing. And 
it's about something like him. You know, you got to work on it every day. I see some in Instagrammers who do uh, stroke analysis of players. One guy, Julian in particular from South America, and he's I've seen his videos come up in the past six months. As in, I've seen his level of progression. He just spends every day working on new yeah. videos. And his production level is now the best on Instagram. Yeah. And he'll get a job out of that. He'll do well out yeah. of that. And because he showed up every day, he's got better every day. It's the whole 1%, give 1% more every day and show up every day. And no matter what you do, be it on Instagram, be it a tennis coach, be it software, I think as it's proven with tennis players, no matter what they do in life, they tend to apply that same intensity. They'll do well in other things. It's the same for all of us. That's very good advice, Fabio. I think it's a really nice message to, to finish on. But we do have our quick fire round to finish off. Oh, no, I hate these. I hate these. <laughs> Instagram or Facebook? Instagram all day long, but don't underestimate Facebook. Facebook is still provides is still good. Your favorite Grand Slam? Aussie Open because I was player pass with Tip Saravage for ten days it was amazing. Yeah, what an experience! The favorite podcast that you've done? You know what. I really enjoyed last week's one with uh, Piotr uh, Igor Swintek's coach. I just learned a lot. He was so, as I said, he's so down to earth. He shared so much information. Yeah. Not because it's the most, not because um, I can't remember anymore and that's the last time we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I found it really, really good. We've had other great ones. Like we've had so many great <laughs> ones. Some that weren't so great, let's be honest, where I think... Uh, sometimes there's not enough energy from the guests blah blah yeah, blah yeah. but that one i really really enjoyed and for me yeah if they can keep on getting better i'll yeah. be really happy but really enjoyed it well go on guys listeners go and check out functional tennis podcast as well that's uh the timing of that one was amazing as well after after she just yeah. won so, the french here, open I'll I'll tell you a story. I reached out to him the week. He'd actually bought a tennis pointer from us. Right. Okay. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, well, I send this to Paris. This was just two weeks before Roland Garros, just after the US Open, he bought yeah. a tennis pointer. And I, I obviously knew of him. We had contact before, but I was like, we send it to Poland. So you send it to Iga's parents. Yeah. And I was like, well, I just send it to Roland Garros instead of FedEx, uh, you, uh, whatever, FedEx over there. But anyway, I sent it there and, Anyway, I the week of Roland Garros, the week before I sent a message, I was like, Piotr, how about, like, I know Iga's going to be in lockdown for 24 hours. Any chance she can do an interview on the podcast? And he was like, we don't do social media the week before tournaments. I was like, yeah. fair enough, great answer. But he goes, we'll do it in the future. So obviously when she won the French Open, I was like, no chance whatsoever because we were meant to get Yannick Sinner last year yeah. and before he sort of got big and Piatti kept promising yep yep two weeks two weeks two weeks no he's taking a break Aussie open break break never happened so yeah. I'm like the same is going to happen here so I messaged uh, Piatti about 10 days I was like you probably think I'm messing you messaging you right now to get uh, to ask Eager but I'm not going to do that we wait for that but how would you like to come on and he was like yes I was like, great. So we recorded the next great. day. Great. And anyway, Ego will be on our show later in the year. Awesome. Guaranteed. 
and she will be using a tennis pointer to fix, this, fix uh, her forehand. He's been trying to straighten yeah. out the contact point for years. So yeah. that was great insight. I picked up, that was the one best line for me in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been, that was a bit of a fun story. Yeah. And praying to God, uh, the Iga story doesn't turn into a Yannick Sinner story, but we may still get Yannick in the future. But once these guys hit uh, the top, it's, it's a bit harder, but I've yeah. actually a question for you, Dan. Sorry to interrupt your quick fire round. I, I, you're a bit like me. We've had 70 guests and we've had very yeah. few females, females. It's, it's not a, it's not like we only want male only this. We struggle to get them on the show. I've reached out to so many. Have you, have you have found the same thing? Massively, massively. And it's, it's, I mean, I, I, let me tell a couple of, I suppose, quick stories on that. And, and I think it's quite a nice little insight. I hope it is. I'm sorry, listeners, if this is boring, but, you know, obviously two people that are, we're, we're trying our best to, to bring great content through podcasts mm. to, to these listeners. And there's obviously a lot of work goes on behind the scenes in, in trying to get these guests on. There's lots of work that goes into the preparation of, of them, the, the recording, the editing, the producing, you know, all of these things. And, Cameron Norrie spoke to me 16 hours before his first round against Diego Schwartzman. I heard that one. At US Open. And he told me tactics. He told me he was so chilled. And it was such a... And now, in reality, I've hardly been able to get to any female player without there being an agent involved. True. And the problem is once the agent's involved, it's something it becomes something that it's not. And that's my issue on this. Like, certainly from 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 my own point of view, and I'm sure you're the same, Fabio. I just really want to give back to the tennis community. I just if 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 people can come on and we can share some insight and we mm. really strongly stand by, you know, trying to energize people, educate people, and entertain people. You know, and that's that's genuinely the reason for the podcasts. And it's when I'm then having to deal with an agent who's acting as if this player's like big time. To be honest, I get quite turned off by it because it's just like I'm not I'm not that desperate. Do you know what I mean? I I I'm I'm doing this for the reasons that I just want to bring people to to the listeners because I, I think it's a nice thing to do. And I think that people take a lot from it. And quite often it could be a player ranked 300 in the world. And I'm not even going to go into names. And it's like, hold on a minute. I'm not, I'm not trying to speak to the queen here, <laughs> you mm. know? And, and, and actually I'm also not trying to ever post anything that nobody wants. You know, I say to every guest, you say something that you don't like, tell me I'll, I'll cut it out. Yeah. You no, know, whatever it might be. Um, and, and no, absolutely. And, and that being said, of course, there's been some fantastic and I have to a big shout out to Emily Webley Smith, who came on. And that was one of our most downloaded ones. Sarah Borwell, you know, Heather Watson, bless Heather. She she desperately didn't want to do it. Um, and I chased her and chased her and chased her. Unfortunately, I've got a little bit of a relationship with her previously that was able to get her on. But there definitely seems to be a little bit less. And like I say, I go back to the agent thing. I've then had agents telling me, yes, but they can't talk about this and they can't talk mm. about that. And it's like... Pfft. 
come on. It's like we're we're trying to get under the bonnet of the sport here a little bit. You know, we're not trying to catch anybody out. Um, so yeah, I think I think we are in the in the same boat a little bit. And certainly, anyone that listens to any of my the podcasts or any of my views, I'm I'm one of the biggest advocates of equality, and I'm certainly not going down a a route of let's jump on females. But there is there does t- tend to be an a, a reluctance and I would I would maybe put it down to more nerves nerves and insecurity than I would to to, to being a diva of not wanting to come on um, you know if to to give the benefit of the doubt but I have found it a little bit difficult yeah you're right you mentioned the agent they all have a gatekeeper be it the coach the agent or somebody else it's like it, it's just tough and keen to say to me we need more females on and i'm like yeah. i'm doing all i can to contact you know the right ones and yeah like we've, we've been promised yes by some and it's just it doesn't work out unfortunately but look we're going to keep trying and uh eager maybe our next female later in the year i hope but uh yeah it's just it's just a tough yeah. it's just tough and we do try as you say we're just trying to get underneath the bonnet of these players so our listeners yeah. can learn more absolutely but and any listeners any listeners to this you know get in touch with myself get in touch with fabio uh, we're certainly what i one thing i love about the podcast world none of us are protective you know we're here to support each other you know if somebody a great guest goes on Fabio's, Chris Suter's, you know, there's some brilliant podcasts out there, you know, we're all supporting for supporting each other, but please reach out to us. Any, any girls on there sitting there saying, what are they talking about? I'd love to get on the shows. Please yeah. reach out to us, you know, let's get you on. Anyone that's got any that think would be, would be, would be good guests. Um, Arancha Sanchez Vicario, I've been promised I'm in contact with her. And Emilio Sanchez kindly put me in touch with her. But again, uh, Arancha, I'm sure you're not listening to this, but I have sent you six emails now. So come on, it's about time. It's about time you got back in touch with me. Um, ATP Cup or Davis Cup? Back to this quick fire. Which Davis Cup? ATP or Davis, just in general. New, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it has to be the new one. But ATP or I Davis like, Cup, which ATP, side do you want? ATP Cup was so successful. Yeah. But, you know, like, did old school. I like the Davis Cup, and I think it's really important. And it'd be, I think it's more of an honour to win the Davis Cup than the ATP Tour Cup. Functional tennis, I would imagine, forward-thinking online platform, Modern day, I, I thought you were going to say ATP Cup. Look, a bit of us is classic. <laughs> Mixing. Injury timeout or not? Should it be allowed? Depends on the injury, but no. Just deal with it and keep moving. Are you a supporter of the PTPA movement or not? I, before I make an answer, I need to know a lot more information. Uh, you know, we only hear what the media says and what those guys are doing. I think there's too much fragmentation between them. Uh, and I don't know whose interest is really at heart. Are the, are the more, the lower ranked players, are their interests at heart at all? Like, so I don't, I can't, I'm not going to answer that because I don't know enough about it, to be honest. Yeah. And one rule change that you would have in tennis? I think the neck cord rule is great. Yeah. The serve Neko rule. It's so it's a bit of fun, and yeah. I just think they should try trial it out at the top level, just out of curiosity. Because like, you know, there can be a neck cord in the middle of the point, and 
just changes things up and it's a bit of fun. And I, I, I like the way they trial that. And last one, Irish based. If you could change one thing about Irish tennis, what would it be? Irish tennis or Ireland? Yeah. <laughs> more no, so on. More yeah. so on. Irish tennis. A controllable, a controllable. So that obviously the, we, we are control the controllables here, so we can't control the weather. So something that yeah, you I, could control, what would you change? I think if they could have sort of a, like a European centre of excellence here, like so where we could drag, rather than Irish players having to go to Europe, let's drag the better players and bring them over here. Like it. That's, that's it. So like, a, yeah, the Functional Tennis Academy where we bring top international players over and Irish players get to train with them, long-term plan. That is, I, I think that would help a little bit. Functional Tennis Academy powered by Soto Tennis Academy. It's got a ring to it. You just need to finance the land. Did you see that? While we're talking about centres, did you see that in the Netherlands recently where they've, it's an indoor-outdoor centre and the roof opens in four minutes? Right, okay. It's incredible. I'm waiting on new videos. I said I'd share it, but I'm, they have to send me new videos. Okay. But it's, at, it's a beautiful indoor tennis and paddle centre. And I think I have seen it. Can, it's yeah, incredible. So one of them, if you want to finance one of them, Dan, I'm all on. I'm all on. All in, all in. I'll, I'll work on it. Fabio, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to chat. I'm sure it's just nice for people to, to hear more from you and, you know, get behind, get behind your story. And I think it's, I think it's brilliant what you're doing, you know, good luck with the continued growth. And I also look forward to working with you in the future on some projects. Thanks, Dan. It's, it's rare I get these opportunities. So really appreciate it and honored to be on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Fabio. A big thank you to Fabio for coming on the show. Uh, some light-hearted humour about our podcasts. But as you know, in the podcast world, we're all very supportive. So also make sure you do check out Functional Tennis's podcast has some has some great guests obviously different styles and you get different bits of information uh, but I'm certainly a big believer in in this way of learning and listening to these conversations and you might even find myself on the other side of the microphone with Fabio if you can bear to hear my voice anymore uh, but you will uh, get some of some of my opinions that maybe don't come out in our podcast and learn a little bit more about the Soto Tennis Academy as well. Uh, a big thank you to you guys that gained some episodes that we've had recently. Uh, the Katie Swan episode, the Sergi Starkovsky episode, the Colin Beecher episode. The, the feedback really has been incredible. Um, I'm kind of fighting to get back to everybody and in touch with everybody. So thank you for reaching out. Uh, it feels as if there's some some real traction now with the podcast and I'm just delighted that we were able to bring it to you uh, to let you know coming up next we have Dave Samuel who will be coming on the next episode then Ian Bates head of women's tennis at the LTA and Kyothathong who is the GB Fed Cup captain you know, we've got really do, we're, we're continuing to strive to bring lots of great guests, lots of great minds, lots of insights. And 
thank you for sharing. Yeah, keep the ratings and reviews coming. You guys take care wherever you are in the world. Control the controllables. I'm Dan Keenan. My co-host is John McGann. And we are Control the Controllables.